So let's start with a brief intro to self-sovereign identity. So for those who are hearing the term self-sovereign identity for the first time, we want to share with you a widely quoted definition of it that comes from Drummond Reed, who actually spoke on our last webinar. And Drummond's contributions have been instrumental in pushing SSI forward. So Drummond describes SSI as lifetime portable identity for any person, organization, or thing that does not depend on any centralized authority and could never be taken away. So we, we know that SSI could be complicated to grasp and we believe a lot of this is due to the focus on the tech first. So we're not here today to discuss the tech in detail as we don't think the technology should be on the front line here. It's only an enabler for a lot of the benefits that comes from SSI. So we're gonna expand on, the, on those benefits through our live discussion in a little bit, but before we get there, we wanna help you understand the basics of SSI as described in this quote by putting into a real world scenario. So let's meet Jimmy. So Jimmy is about to start graduate school at the University of Toronto. He just moved to Toronto and found a good deal for an apartment rental. So he contacted a real estate broker and he had a good initial conversation with them. So the broker will now need Jimmy to provide certain information so that they could assess his eligibility before renting the unit to him. So Jimmy's being asked to provide his legal name, his age, as what would be found in a piece of valid government ID, asking for a proof of him being a student, as in a student card, and a proof that he has sufficient funds in his bank account just to show he has enough money to cover at least half a year's rent. So Jimmy does have a valid driver's license from back home, way out in British Columbia, which contains his legal name and his age. So he also received his student card in the mail that has the status of him being a student and the expiration date from two years from now from the University of Toronto. So like most people, Jimmy carries these two cards with him in a physical wallet. So that's good for those pieces of information. However, Jimmy doesn't have anything on him that could prove that he has sufficient funds. So to get the proof of funds, Jimmy needs to go to the bank where he just opened up an account. So at the bank, a representative prints out a statement for Jimmy that displays his bank balance within his checking account. Jimmy stores the statement in a paper folder and leaves the bank. So now Jimmy has everything he needs. He goes to the broker. He presents the original copies of his driver's license, student card, and banking statement. So the broker verifies his original documents and makes photocopies of each of them. Satisfied with the documents, the broker now tells Jimmy that they'll need a couple of days to process everything and they'll call him back once they're done. So Jimmy goes back home with his documents, leaves the photocopies with the broker. And a couple days later, Jimmy gets a phone call from the broker who says, you know what, everything checked out and they'd love to rent the apartment to him. So Jimmy now goes back to the broker's office to sign a rental agreement. He gets a copy of the fully executed agreement while the broker keeps their copy as well, which is kept alongside Jimmy's other documents in their folder. Jimmy doesn't really know how long the broker will keep the documents and if they're going to keep them safely. But anyways, Jimmy puts his copy of the agreement in the same folder on his side with his bank statement, which he'll throw in a drawer in his desk later. And so really, this is how things are done today. So let's see now how Jimmy's journey would look like if we threw SSI into this mix. So many things would stay similar with SSI, but a lot better. So Jimmy would still have a wallet. But instead of a physical one, he would have a digital SSI wallet installed on his smartphone. And instead of having physical copies, Jimmy's driver's license and student card would be in his SSI wallet in a digital format. 
instead of getting a printed copy of his bank statement, Jimmy could ask the bank to send him a digital copy directly to his wallet. So he doesn't have to go to the bank himself in person and he doesn't have to store the printout afterwards either. So now Jimmy has all the information needed to go back to the broker, but in a digital format. So now knowing Jimmy has everything needed, the real estate broker would send Jimmy a proof request. So upon receiving this request, a notification would pop up in Jimmy's smartphone. And you could see the detailed information of this proof request shown here on this slide. So the real estate broker is not expecting to receive complete paper credentials or documents that contain pieces of information, but only the information itself at a minimum level. So knowing he has all the information and being comfortable sharing it with the real estate broker, Jimmy accepts the request and then the broker would immediately receive the information on their end. So after receiving Jimmy's information that proves his eligibility, the broker happily decides to rent the apartment to Jimmy. The broker executes the rental agreement signature on their end and sends the agreement directly into Jimmy's wallet. So Jimmy reviews the agreement inside his wallet and accepts by signing it with his digital signature. Then the fully executed agreement is stored inside of his wallet. The broker would also have the same agreement on their system alongside this very limited information they have about Jimmy. And that's it, it's that simple. So the process should be that simple, but there's obviously much more behind it to make it viable. So if you're having these questions on the slide in your mind, you're definitely in, in the right uh, mind frame. So could this not be done by email? Why do we need an SSI wallet? How on earth does a real estate broker know if the information Jimmy provides through his SSI wallet is valid and trustworthy? So obviously the answer to this first question is no. And let me tell you the why and how about all the other ones. So self-sovereign identity enables a new model called the verifiable credential model, which makes what this very simple process we just saw possible. So the three roles in this model are, number one, the issuer, which is the bank in this Jimmy example. It could also be the government or academic institutions who issued IDs such as the driver's license and student card. The second role is the holder, which is Jimmy. And the third is the verifier, which is the real estate broker in this example. So these three groups are all using systems that are enabled by an SSI infrastructure, such as the SSI wallet that Jimmy has. So using SSI, an issuer can sign and issue credentials to a holder. The holder would then keep these credentials in their wallet and presents a proof when verifiers are requesting information. So proofs and verifiable credentials are quite different as you saw in Jimmy's case. So proofs contain pieces of information that can come from different verifiable credentials, such as the driver's license and the student card and the bank statement. Also, the information in a proof doesn't necessarily, to actually, doesn't necessarily need to actually contain the values from a verifiable credential. So the information exchange could be done in a more private way. So we call this a zero knowledge proof by which a holder only needs to present the minimum amount of information a verifier needs. So in Jimmy's case, it's not his full driver's license or even his age, it's just that he's over 18. So the SSI infrastructure is powered by a blockchain or a DLT. So certain information of the issuer, the bank, is written to the blockchain so that when a verifier receives proofs from a holder, they'll be able to query the blockchain and find out four things. Number one, who issued which piece of information? Number two, 
if the information was actually issued to the holder themselves. Three, if the information was altered or changed by the holder. And lastly, four, if the information is still valid upon receipt. So self-sovereign identity enables a thing called trust over IP. Since the trust, is, tr the trust is really built right into the system here. And for that reason, there doesn't need to be any integration between the issuer and the verifier, as long as their systems are compatible with uh, an SSI infrastructure. So now that we, we have here and we know the logic behind the verifiable credential model, let's go back to Jimmy's story and see how SSI can make his life easier in the digital world. So once Jimmy's school semester starts, he decides to save some time by shopping for his groceries online. So he opens up a website of a popular grocery platform called Instacart. So to use the service, Jimmy needs to set up an account with Instacart. Now, since Jimmy hates having so many different accounts that require him to remember or note down passwords, and Jimmy doesn't want to use the same password across different sites for security reasons, the easiest option for him is to use Facebook which he's usually logged into anyways. So Jimmy signs into Instacart through his Facebook login. And really now Facebook knows Jimmy is using Instacart. So Jimmy isn't really aware of the data Facebook is collecting from him or how they're using it. However, Instacart, you know, it's easy. And Instacart is one of the only sites Jimmy, isn't one of the only sites that Jimmy uses Facebook to log into, as there are many more, which means Facebook actually knows quite a lot about Jimmy. So this is what we call the federated identity model. And it has become very common nowadays as it makes managing credentials simpler for people. But really, does Jimmy wanna have this intermediary and third wheel in every conversation he's having? Probably not. So let's see how it could be done differently and better when Jimmy starts using his SSI wallet. So now, since most websites only really require an email address to set up an account, Jimmy could use his SSI wallet that contains a verified email address credential to log into many websites without setting up any passwords. So you can now communicate directly with the sites without needing to talk to Facebook. So here's how it would work. So when Jimmy uses Instacart for the first time, he clicks the continue with SSI wallet option that you can see in red here. He'll then have a QR code that's generated to scan using his SSI wallet. So Jimmy takes out his phone, accesses the wallet through Touch ID. He then uses the camera function in the wallet to scan the QR code on his laptop. So once the scan is done, a message pops up asking Jimmy if he's trying to log into instacart.ca for the first time using his wallet. And Jimmy clicks, yes, I am. Then another message would pop up asking if Jimmy approves Instacart's request to access his email address. So Jimmy clicks, yes, I approve. And voila, he's successfully logged into his Instacart account. So since Instacart could recognize his wallet now, because they've built a connection, the next time Jimmy logs in, he'll be able to do it even quicker. So this is a very simple use case of self-sovereign identity, the passwordless authentication, but we hope it gives you a better idea of how powerful SSI is. So back to Drummond's definition that we started with, um, we hope some of the main ideas of SSI are better understood now after this story, such as the portability and decentralization. So think of Jimmy's case again. So by having all kinds of verifiable credentials inside his digital wallet, as more vendors adopt SSI, Jimmy will be able to leverage this information from one vendor with another at his own discretion. So even if some of these vendors may stop their operations at some future point of time, Jimmy's verifiable credentials will still sit tight in his wallet and could continue to be trusted and used. 
So Jimmy's story was very simplified, a very simplified explanation of SSI. And we do want to thank John Phillips and his team at 460 Degrees as they inspired us to explain SSI this way through a simple story. Um, hopefully we could hear your feedback on this story and how we could tell it better.